0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Cyber. On today's show, we have Al Ghost. Now, Al is the global CISO at Envision Digital. And prior to Envision Digital, uh, held CISO and security leadership roles at GE Digital, ServiceMax, uh, and a couple of other large well known companies like Oracle and Kaiser Permanente. Um, really, the focus of our conversation today is on uh, what Al calls establishing street cred. It's how do you get Um, solid relationships with different stakeholders throughout the business, and not only have those relationships, but get them to trust you. So that was sort of the core focus of the discussion. Um, One other really interesting element that Al and I dug into as well is an experience he has with the Silicon Valley CISO Investments uh, Angel Syndicate, which is a group of CISOs who have banded together to invest in um, different security technology companies. So we talk about not only how did he help start this, but How has it impacted his role as a CISO and how, if at all, has it made him a better CISO? So without further ado, we'll hand it over to Al Ghos, Global CISO at Envision Digital. Well, the party is off to a good start. Al, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, um, as a way to kick us off, why don't you tell us maybe a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Yeah, great, thank you. Um, so I've been in uh, information security for about twenty years, a little bit more than that, in, uh, in IT and technology, uh, high tech, I call it. Um, but it involved a lot of different industries, I would say. Over time, um, started off, you know, doing some professional services, uh, development work. Um, moved on to enterprise software, um, then healthcare, and then, and, you know, all all along, you know, this is now dating me a little bit back in the 90s, involved more or less in enterprise security, traditional IT security, and then as, you know, with the proliferation of cloud, I started getting more into the product side of the house, you know, in terms of SaaS and PaaS, and uh, focused more on product security uh, from there on in, and uh, again, uh, it was mostly around uh, just building programs, uh, maturing existing programs, really trying to align security with business directives and objectives, making sure that we were able to support the business because over, you know, at uh, the beginning, at the onset of, you know, when information security kind of came onto the scene, it was more about protecting the organization and wasn't really a whole lot of focus on the business side of things so it started to kind of flip the switch towards you know halfway through my career and started to focus more on that and right now I'm uh, I fill a couple of CISO jobs uh, roles in the past uh, several years currently I'm with Envision Digital we're in the IOT sustainable renewable energy zero carbon uh, cloud platform uh, industry and uh, company's growing really well uh, exciting area to be in in terms of uh, the attack surface and what we're doing and impact the society as a whole and also the implications in terms of public safety and whatnot. So uh, that's what' I'm kind of, that's what I'm doing right
0: now. Yeah, wonderful. that's great. And as you just reflect back on that experience and, and especially you know having worn a couple of hats, you know you mentioned many different industries, sort of different roles within those industries, what have been maybe some of the pivotal like inflection points? In your career, that has maybe helped shape sort of how you approach your role and your strategy today.
1: Yeah, I would I would say um, thinking about this a little bit here. I would say just having context of the business, and the reason why I say this is because um, not to mention any names. Um, you know, I worked for a large multinational cloud platform provider a while back, and. Um, and the company was struggling a little bit and decisions were being made up top in terms of business decisions that is and but not really focused on you know what the downstream impact is to other areas of the business again multinational large company with lots of business units um, you know us being one of them and the more i saw that the more i realized that how important it is to understand the, the context of the business and what your decisions uh, you know decisions that you make as a security practitioner as a CISO, how it could impact downstream. Downstream meaning, you know, your development, your go-to-market, your you know, marketing teams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so for me that was a pivotal moment because I kind of switched to flip a little flip the switch a little bit in terms of look, I know we're here to protect the company, but at the same time we're also here to help the business grow. And um, you know we can't do things that would impede that that may might not be necessary. And a perfect example is you know aligning your, your security strategy with that of the business strategy. And if for example if your business doesn't call for rigorous controls like a NIST 800-53, then why go apply that, right? Why make the organization go through that? I find a lot of a lot of uh, practitioners go in and apply what they've done in the past in their next company in the next company. And it doesn't always work because you can't take a cookie cutter approach like that and do something that you're used to. So really just having full understanding of the business and the decisions you make, how they impact downstream and even upstream, uh, you know, organizations within the business or decisions that the business has made. uh, I think there needs to be, you know, close alignment. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have that issue of, you know, kind of banging your head against the wall and why is your organization not supportive of this? Well, it's because decisions are being made up top that doesn't necessitate that, right? Maybe you're not in a in an industry where that's required, for example. So Yeah. So that's when I realized that you know I just need to focus. I was focusing more on the business, but I, I just I, I kind of doubled down basically after that.
0: Sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And in, in one area, and just having sort of discussions like this with with other CSOs, one area that um, I'm always curious to get a better understanding on is uh, sort of how do you go about getting that business alignment? Because I, I think at sort of the surface level, it can sound simple enough, Uh, but when it comes into managing the expectations for the different stakeholders that you'd have throughout the business and really defining what it would look like, it could be trickier to implement. So can you maybe tell me about or or share some examples for how you've sort of understood the business objectives and and ensured that your security strategy was aligned, uh, not only to support it, but to to be mirrored with it?
1: Yeah. So um, I take a two-pronged approach. First I listen a lot. the unique thing where I sit in my current organization is that, and a lot of CISOs don't get this opportunity and that's why I, I, I took the job that I did several months ago, is that I, I report to the president and you don't necessarily have to report to the CEO or the president of the company to have this, this visibility and this vantage point. You just have to ask and be nice about it when you ask, you don't demand it. Uh, so when we say having a seat at the table, having a seat at the table, it's kind of what I'm talking about. Fortunately for me, I landed on the table as I joined the company sitting there at the table. And, I, and so I, I see business decisions being made and why they're being made. And so I tend to listen more upfront. I listen. I, I tend to listen a lot and say very little until I can decipher and figure out like, okay, why is business making this decision? Then I ask questions and I probe. And I, I, by that, I mean, you know, talking to, for example, the go-to-market teams, talking to the professional services teams and understanding what their pain points are around security and compliance and privacy and because we're a multi-international company you know we deal with regulations and standards across the globe and so what's important for my go-to-market team in uk is different than not in australia different than singapore different than malaysia um and so once i ask those questions i tend to um, you know talk to them about you know how we can you know help them how we can reduce for example the sales cycle right what do they need in terms of things for me like things that are tangible not just talk right it's, it's great for me to go sit in front of every single customer and, and, and spew how great we are in terms of security, privacy, and compliance, but that's not going to scale, right? I'm not going to be able to hire enough people to do that. So um, what I tell them is if I can provide you these things in terms of artifacts that you can, you know, help take to the customer to help them, whether that's, you know, white papers, whether that's, uh, you know, CIQ self-assessment, whether that's uh, video or, you know, whatever the case. Um, so I tend to listen, then I tend to talk and I tend to you know, offer my suggestions and recommendations and make it a two-way conversation. But again, at the core of it, it's just listening. I think a lot of us don't do a good job of listening to the business and to the needs. And we automatically assume that they need XYZ because my last company needed it. And so therefore my current company go to market or sales or whatever team is going to need it. So that's kind of my approach and that's what's helped me, I think.
0: Yeah, I love it. And one area and when we were doing our prep call uh, a couple of weeks back, Uh, You told me a story about um, how you have really focused on security outcomes and you just touched on a couple of examples in terms of providing deliverables for the go-to-market team. Um, Could you maybe share some other examples for, uh, I guess, even higher level, what you mean by focusing on security outcomes and how else have you seen sort of security have a a direct impact on, on business?
1: Yeah. So yeah. One area, I'll give you a current example uh, without getting too much into details. But um, you know, over time, if, you, if we look back, security teams have been asked to do more and more and more and more, even to the point where today, you uh, I mean, especially in the SaaS area, uh, CISO and security teams own IT now. Um, and you know, uh, back then uh, that was like a you know why, uh, but it just happened to fall into. Uh, uh, lap of uh, security because that's where the risks are in terms of SaaS and whatnot, especially for the for the you know cloud providers. Um, so we've been asked to do more, um, and you know at some point we have to sit down and figure out how do we stop, stop being reactive, right? Reacting to things that you know our peers and our leadership ask us to do, but and be more proactive, right? And the go to market thing I just mentioned is just one example. Right. Uh, you know, case in point, another example is, um, you know, in terms of, for example, uh, um, I want to make sure I'm careful what I say here. But in terms of uh, listening to, um, you know, business type meetings and, you know, what's critical, what's important to the company, you know, um, if a situation comes up where there is a need somewhere else and you as the CISO, you have the wherewithal to help. Right. Even though you may be strapped for time and resources but you know that you can do it. And deep down in your heart, you know you can do it. The company doesn't need to go get professional services to come in and spend you know, $100,000 to go figure that out. You know you can do it with a little bit of help from maybe your peer on a different you know, business, uh, or a different organization within the business. Um, so I, I did that recently, not getting into too many details. Something came up and uh, my boss, is the president of the company said, look, we, we have an issue here, we have a problem here. Um, you know, Indirectly it impacted security, but not directly. Wasn't under my purview. And uh, I raised my hand and I said, you know what? We don't need to go get professional services. Let's stop that thing mindset. And that's, you know, I'll partner with so-and-so. I'll see if he can help, uh, uh, you know, my, my peer on the finance side, our controller, and said to me partner with him and figure out what we can do. And so we tackled that problem on, and, you know, we're about to find a solution and we're gonna figure it out. So um, it's about outcomes. It's about, you know, making an impact in your organization. And when you do that, and it's not just about money. Yeah, right? company save hundred thousand dollars, big deal. But at the same time, you know, somebody raise their hand and said, "Like I can tackle that problem." Now, I don't recommend doing this all the time because it's just not sustainable, right? But you have to pick and choose where you're going to make the biggest impact in your organization, and deliver the outcomes that your leadership and your peer group is, is is looking for. And so that goes a long way, I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's really important. And how how do you suggest CISOs or other you know, security leaders, just sort of security executives get started with that? Like, what would your initial advice be? Um, again, going back to just listening,
1: listening when you have a seat at the table, doesn't mean you just sit there and you don't do nothing, right? It's okay to listen for a while, but at some point you have to raise your hand and you have to contribute, right? They don't yeah. want you to just sit there. They want you to contribute. <clears throat> And even if it's something you know, that you don't understand in terms of you know, how business dynamics work, it's okay to raise your hand and say, I don't really understand that. Why are we doing that again? And, and, and you're having that, I call it you know, building trust and, and, and establishing uh, street creds, right? street credibility. That's what it is really, to be honest with you. It's yeah. establishing credibility with your peer group, whether it's GC, whether it's CFO, the controller, uh, head of marketing, uh, you know your boss, uh, whether it's the CTO or the president, doesn't matter. But establishing credibility and building trust, um, once you do that, then people will come to you. And, um, and then, you know, listening in terms of, you know, your boss's feedback, uh, your peers' feedback to you, uh, that's also important because then that helps you reinforce what you just did, basically. It, it tells you that, hey, there's validation that I'm doing the right thing. So when your boss comes to you and says, hey, Al, you know, you did a great job. You are doing a great job. People trust you. They're coming to you now. You're kind of the savior, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that reinforces, you know, my thinking that, hey, I'm doing the right thing, right? When they, if they come to me and tell me, yeah, hey, I think you should do this differently. I think you're a bit too abrasive here. I think you need to be polished around the edges here. Then, you know, I need to reflect back and I need to fix those problems and not take it personally. But, you know, fortunately for me, not common, that's not happening. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's really just listening and, you know, providing, you know, uh, value back, establishing credibility and building that trust.
0: Yeah. Great. Cool. I'd like to pivot a little bit and ask you about uh, SVCI. Now, I know we talked about this during the prep call. Uh, I had Joel on the show. He's actually, I think the third episode of, of the show and uh, our episode with with Kathy's coming out in, in a couple of weeks. So I met a few other peers that you've been been working with as part of the, the syndicate. But for those who, who aren't familiar, could you um, maybe share a little bit about what is SVCI and um, sort of how you got uh, sort of working with that group?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, SVCI, I think, uh, I do not sound cliche, but it's a beautiful thing, to be honest with you. It's First off, it's kind that we know of, and I talk to security uh, practitioners, CISOs in different regions all the time. Um, you know, it, it started off, didn't start off as SVCI. We were doing something else on the side just to help the industry, specifically around founders and startups. Uh, we built security for startups.com to help them kind of improve their security posture as they work with, you know, large enterprises to be able to gain more traction. And once that, that ended, we started to think, okay, what, what can we do? How, how else can we help the industry? So we're focused on the industry, not making money. Uh, so SBCI is Silicon Valley CISO Investments. It's an angel syndicate. Um, there was literally like six or seven of us, a handful of us that just, you know, that started it out, Joel, including, uh, including Joel and a few others. And our goal really was to help Shaped the future of the security industry, especially with the innovation that was happening. There was a lot of, you know, really cool technologies, innovative ways of doing things that were coming onto market, but their messaging wasn't there. Or, you know, the messaging was there, but the product and the idea needed a little bit of help, a little bit of catalyst. But at the end of the day, it was really all about validation, right? And as the as the syndicate grew to now, I think it's 55, 60 CISOs uh, nationally and some international, um you know where else can you come as a as a founder and as a as a as a startup and get that type of feedback right and that kind of support it's unheard of right so um so that's the value it's the the value proposition it's it's getting it's providing that feedback that market fit that uh support and then the on the investment side you know we do ask for a little bit of uh uh, opportunity on the side just to make sure that it's you know worth our while in terms of because this is not our day job this is something we do on the side and and we want to make sure that it's a, it's a two way you know beneficial relationship between the founding uh, group and then also the uh, the, the CISOs. Um, and uh, so we have a few um, we made a few investments. We have a few portfolio companies. The list grows. Uh, we don't do any marketing. Uh, you know, just through our peer network, uh, we get quite a bit of uh, traction in terms of opportunities every quarter. Uh, we go through you know sourcing calls and uh, pitches and things like that. We have a very well defined process it's not perfect but you know it's we're continuing to improve it as we get more membership and new ideas of how to do things constantly trying to grow it and and improve and uh, um, and, and yeah I mean it's great I think this is uh, one of the things where uh, you know you don't you don't get to do every day and I'm fortunate and I'm privileged to be part of the group
0: yeah that's great and I can imagine it's uh, frankly a lot of fun to to be involved with and, and a good way to you know learn and, and meet new people and experience new technologies so it's interesting
1: yeah, it is, and you know what? It's, it's a win-win situation. Win-win-win situation, I should say, because you know, founders come with VCs, right, backing and whatnot, and we all work together. There's no, you know, uh, uh, you know, competition or anything like that. I mean, we work with a number of VCs. They bring their portfolio companies. We win because when we get to sh- help shape the product and you know the industry. Uh, uh, we also have an investment opportunity. The found, you know the founders win, right? The startup wins because they get that feedback and they you know address product issues early on in the seed and A stage, and then the VCs benefit because you know how else are they going to get the validation for their investment, right? Than to put it in front of CISOs and get the feedback. So again, it's a win-win-win situation.
0: Yeah, love it. And how has that experience and you know other sort of uh, investment and, and VC advisory experience that you have, how has that maybe impacted your role as a CISO? Has that made you a better CISO? Has that changed how you approach the job in any way?
1: Yeah, so one, one direct benefit I would say is, um, and a lot, of, a lot of CISOs are focusing on this now, in terms of the design partnerships that we do with these um, uh, founders and startups, you know, small organizations. And I've been involved in big organizations where we had a lot of resources that I could, you know, take a few people, put together, and they can build some automation for me and build a cool new thing, right? But you know, a lot of us don't have that 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 uh, uh, that opportunity. We have smaller teams, and so the ability to go innovate and to automate and do these things it's difficult because you know the, the, your practitioners, your your team has you know different priorities, right? To keep the organization safe and do what they need to do. So. What, uh, what I've typically done as a CISO is to help, you know, in terms of design partnerships, bring, bring startups in partner with my teams and they can either co-develop like literally co-develop or provide input and feedback and, and just build that, that feedback cycle to help, you know, build a product that we can actually potentially use, save the company money because we would get a discount at the end, hopefully. Right. And so that's a win for the company. Uh, it's a win for me as a CISO, because I get to get my team to innovate with the innovators. Right. And it's a win for the startup and the founder because they get to bring in their product in real life and deploy it in production and kind of put it through its paces and get that feedback from you know it actually working in a production type environment and make the adjustments. And so that's one thing that I think a lot of CISOs now within SVC are taking advantage of. And so again, it's a win-win-win situation. So for me, that's helped me because now. I get to keep my team longer because I don't have to now go leave and go somewhere else to do innovation because that's what they ask for. They want to learn. They want to grow. And if I don't provide them that opportunity, then, you know, they're just going to get frustrated and leave, right. Especially in this hot market. So, uh, so that's one way of retaining people is to get them to innovate
0: and partner with these startups basically. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Al. Well, we don't have a ton of time left, so we're going to step into uh, the rapid fire round then basically the premise is I ask you a couple of quick questions and you share whatever comes top of mind. Sounds good? Yep. Cool. All right. First question. What book are you reading right now? I'm not, there's no time to be honest with you,
1: but I'll, I'll tell you this though, so real quick, real quick. Uh, I read a great book about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I believe, uh, It was by f- someone named Farazi. I forget the, the first name, last name Farazi was around, uh, something, uh, who's got your back and I use those principles of building and est- establishing and nurturing relationships and organizations uh, to this day. Uh, I was actually told about it by another CISO a while ago, and it talks about generosity, vulnerability, candor, and I think the last one is uh, commitment. So again, I don't wanna get into details, but rapid yeah. fire. Um, that's one book that I've read that I, that's still ingrained in my head, um, but right now, no books. Cool. And you said, who's got your back? I think it's called "Who's Got Your Back" by Firazzi, Ferrazzi. F e r r a z z i or something to that effect. It's an Amazon. If you do a search on Ferrazzi, yeah,
0: come on, yeah, check it out. Cool. Well, next question: What is the worst piece of security advice you've ever received?
1: <laughs> uh, worst piece is I did an interview once uh, with a large enterprise software company, um, and the I believe it was chief risk officer asked me if I have a checklist for security. And i said no i don't believe in checklists it doesn't it's not binary it doesn't work that way he insisted on checklists and he explained to me how he has a checklist for security uh and that pilots use checklists and that's how there's you know air travel is safe et cetera, et cetera. and so he's trying to establish this relationship this pattern with security and, and flying uh, needless to say um you know i didn't get the job uh, and uh i think he had he wrote a book about it at some point as well and i don't think it became the bestseller but yeah <laughs> checklist security basically this was back in the early 2000s
0: <laughs> yeah no he probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't be the greatest interview ever too so <laughs> yeah. all right last one if you could turn back the hands of time and meet with your 20 year old self what advice would you give him
1: yeah um, I would say make uh, career decisions faster. I tend to, you I, know, I, a couple of jobs, I, I stayed in management for a while. I wasn't really sure if I, you know, take the CISO plunge or do something else with my career in the security field. And I waited too long. And uh, and in some instances, I actually acted as the CISO. I, I performed the function. I did the job, but I just never got the, the recognition for it. And I regret that. I stayed there too long. And the reason I stayed there too long is maybe it's a modesty thing. I was I was, you know, having impact and I was delivering value to the organization and, you know, like where I was, but it didn't help me from a career perspective. So I would say if I was to go back, you know, and that happened a couple of times, I think I just need to make quicker decisions in terms of career progression. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what I would tell myself.
0: Makes sense. Well, that's all the time we got. It was a pleasure to to have you on the show. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Great chatting with you, Joe. Thanks a lot. Like do it again.
1: Awesome.